Hello, welcome to This is Halloween, a mini-series of podcasts where I talk to friends and family about, about some Halloween-themed movies. So with me to debut is my lovely cousin, Elena. Hi, Elena. Hi. And I invited Elena because she has a very close relationship with something that when I was little, I am embarrassed, but I'll be honest, scared the crap out of me. <laughs> little Shop of Horrors. Yes, Little Shop of Horrors scared me, but in my defense, I saw it way too young for me. Five. <laughs> it was, and it also shows what bit of a grade A wuss I am. How I feel about Scream. <laughs> I saw Scream at the perfect age. I was like a teenager and already like ready to just... I didn't, not even a fan of slashers, but I loved making fun of the slashers that they were self-parodying in that movie. Yeah, I was five when I saw Scream. <laughs> oh yeah, way too young. Way too young for that. So, I mean, I don't want to bury a lead. Elena, what's your relationship with, with Little Shop of Horrors? So, um, well, uh, my relationship with Little Shop is um, basically just doing theater productions of it. Um, I did a production in high school, um, and then I did a production four years, uh, what was it? Yeah, four years ago um, with a, a small community theater um, directed by someone that I went to middle school with. So um, kind of came full circle as far as like uh, doing that with the person that ended up directing it, but um really that was um like kind of my relationship with it and i and ironically enough i played the same character in both productions so that was kind of cool so you were um who were you playing Uh, i'll ask just stuff so so um i played chiffon um i was basically one of like the skid road kind of doo-wop girls um Mm -hmm. and i guess more or less like one of the narrators of the story Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, the well, the great things, and we'll get into the movie when we get to the movie, but, like, the, is, like, they're, they're basically, like, the Greek chorus, that, that ancient tradition of the Greek chorus, they, they kind of narrate, explain what's happening, but they're also characters, a little bit, and just, yeah. like, they're also urchins of, of Skid Row. Yeah, um, and I mean, like, that's, I mean, that's kind of the perfect way to put it, I mean, that's where... Um, I mean, from what I remember in high school and kind of what I remember and what I remember um, putting on the community theater production um, was definitely viewed as like the Greek chorus type. So mm-hmm. you're right with money with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, a Greek chorus, uh, kind of getting into a bit of the backstory of me, I'm, I'm a trivia hound and this kind of stuff, but uh have you watched the original movie like the original original movie it's based off of um the original movie that it's based off of no i have not watched that one but i mean i mean wait are you talking about like the movie with rick Rick moranis (laughs) are you talking about like the movie that we're we're supposed to be talking about no (laughs) no the movie the okay let me put it this way that'll make it easy did you see the movie that had jack nicholson in it 
No, I did not. I have not seen that. I have not seen that movie. Okay. So yeah, I I haven't either. I, okay, I I've seen one part of the movie, the part mm-hmm. that is that inspired the dentist character. Uh, of that so the original thing so little shop of horrors is really interesting for mm-hmm. for its genesis and and what it's become of just it start it all starts with roger corbin the the king of b movies mm-hmm. who just was given a bit of a dare and said this one guy said like how how much time do you actually need to shoot a movie and roger corman being roger corman small budgets that he is able to eke out a profit from his basically drive-through exploitation kind of style says all i need is two days it was like and the guy said there is no way that you can shoot a whole movie in two days and immediately roger corman's like challenge accepted so to be clear okay he didn't write it's like no like the writer wrote wrote the movie in two weeks. Right. And then they did rehearsal a bunch of times, but then they did shoot Little Shop of Horrors in 48 hours. My God. (laughs) And so, and if you look at the movie, to be mean to Roger Corman, who is an Oscar-winning guy, he's fine. Right. It does, like, from what I've seen, it looks like it was shot in two days. Right. It, it it looks like it was shot in two days, but like the biggest thing like that now is like whenever they show that movie, mm-hmm. one is like it's on public domain, so it it can be streamed on YouTube without anyone making a fuss about it. Right. Like it it, it quickly lapsed into public domain. I I don't know how, but just like it's one of those things where it's like it's one of those movies. It's not even old. Or, or I guess now it's old, but it, it quickly became public domain. Right. <laughs> So, like, no one was fighting for it. And the big thing is, like, the biggest star of the movie, like, Roger Corman, like, he, he, de- he like, developed a lot of, like, movie talent in yeah. terms of, like, directing and re- writing. That's what he's mostly known for. But he also had a couple of people that actually became legit stars. And Jack Nicholson was one of them. And Jack Nicholson is, is in, like, the 1960 Little Shop of Horrors movie. Wow. And he's so so what he is is he's basically a flipped version of the <laughs> if you've seen the movie, he's basically what Bill Murray is in the movie. Of like he's a masochist. Okay. He's a masochist who, who gets who goes to the dentist. And in the in the movie, in like in the movie, the actual nineteen sixty movie, it's it's Seymour has just killed the dentist. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And so then, like, he's pretending to be a dentist, and Jack Nicholson is his, his patient. Gotcha. And he's totally into, like, him being a total amateur at it and what? drilling. It's like, don't stop now! Come on, yeah. keep doing it! Keep doing okay, it! Yeah. So he's like, hi. <laughs> it's very funny, but, yeah. And apparently Jack Nicholson, like, forgot that he shot a comedy and so he was a little embarrassed when everyone was laughing when he saw the movie in theaters. Yeah. But yeah, so. Yeah, and, that never that I've never seen. I've seen the Brothers <laughs> of Moranis, and then of course, like I have, I honestly, I mean, I've I've kind of 
I've never actually seen like professional productions of Little Shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I've you know obviously like had my own experience with actually putting it on, and I've obviously listened to the soundtrack God knows how many times because that soundtrack is awesome. Um, I mean, I, I'll have to say though, my favorite soundtrack is the revival with Carrie Butler, but um, but because like Hunter Foster it, on that soundtrack is perfect, like he is the perfect Seymour. But anyway, kind of. But um, yeah, I haven't seen like the original, but at least like the '80s movie I've seen. <laughs> so. I mean, we'll get into maybe later on the remake that's yeah. supposedly going to happen, but... Yeah. But, so... And, you know, okay, so I, I want to, like, preface this, but, but let's talk about it now. Just, like, in, in the grand scheme of things, for what they choose to adapt into Broadway, or even, yeah. like, off-Broadway, as... What you just said, I think, though, a little bit something that, like, behind the scenes, like, Alan Menken... And like Frank Oz have have spoken about is like Little Shop kind of doesn't really belong on Broadway. It really doesn't. It's like it's always meant to be like this kind of like smaller budget, yeah. smaller crowd theater. I mean, Elena. Okay, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because you actually are like a a, <laughs> a musical fan and a big and can actually put your money where your mouth is in terms of being fanatic. You can also be. Right. Broadway star, I believe in you, <laughs> is, but that, like, for me at least, like, I was just thinking about this earlier before we started, I, I didn't mention this before we started talking, but, like, Little Shop, like, compare that to something like Hamilton or Les Mis, right. is, like, Broadway musicals, especially nowadays, Broadway musicals are big, gigantic spectacles, mm-hmm. and, like, well, well, okay, yes, Hamilton doesn't have a from the Disney Plus recording I saw, it doesn't have a set behind it, but like it doesn't need to have a set to be a giant spectacle. No. And and like most Broadway like need to be that. And as much as you could make Audrey two be pretty impressive, it's just no, it's really just like there's two sets really yeah. in all of Little Shop, and so it's kind of like anti Broadway in that sense of just no, it's just this really charming little quaint story i mean i guess as far as like in comparison to broadway now then that would make sense um (laughs) i mean it's definitely and looking at like you know what's i mean like at least the few things that i know of that are on right now Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that I, I think that's definitely fair to say. I mean, not to say that I don't think it would be successful if it were to get revived on Broadway. I think it would be one, probably one of the most successful revivals that we've probably seen in the last ten or fifteen years. But um, I mean, I can I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from as far as like where they I guess they don't think it doesn't necessarily belong. Um, I mean, I guess if they're looking at it, you know, kind of like what you were talking about with the 1960s film where it's, you know, kind of like low budget only, you know, wanting to, you know, film it within a 48 hour period, I guess that, I guess more or less, especially if you're like a newcomer to like show tunes or, or, or just musicals in general, you would definitely have that perspective. Um, 
I mean, as far as like for me and, you know, in the experience that I've had in musical theater, um, I mean, I, I, it honestly just depends on where you put it and when you put it back on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as like, if we're talking about in 2021 with all these new shows, or all that, not, not even new shows, all these shows that are now reopening. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think that it, I, I guess with what is relevant, I guess, in, um, you know, from certain Broadway standpoints, it's not, it, it wouldn't necessarily fit now, but if someone wanted to like revive it in the next like five or six years, depending on, you know, what the casting looks like, I'm sure it would do really, really well. Um, I mean, I, you know, they've, they've been putting on so many different productions of it in the last, like, I don't know, five or 10 years that I've seen it. Um, or at least that I've like kind of viewed on like YouTube and and theater mania and all that stuff. And, And they've looked at it through different perspectives and, so, I mean, I think either setting, whether it's Broadway, whether it's a national tour, whether it's community theater, whatever route you want to take it, it would be successful somewhere. Because somebody, you know that somebody in that area, whether they're new to theater or a theater vet, know exactly what Little Shop is. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm not disputing you. I'm just like – like, No, no, no. Yeah. Not at all. But, no, I mean, I mean, I, I can – but I can definitely see, like, where they're coming from as far as, like – you know, it not necessarily fitting on on Broadway. I think it, it really just depends on getting the timing right for it because it's such a you know it it really is such like a gem of a show oh, that yeah. you know it but it has to be done like at the right time in order for it, it to be able to fit. Oh yeah, well and so that's a bit of what, getting into the next part of just like the story of of Little Shop and how it came to be of the. It's just it's such a weird idea on paper, and that's why it's like it's perfect for off Broadway. It's perfect for being this cult movie. It's perfect for for being this amateur production darling. I've just it's I can't think of a movie quite like the idea of of just from what we described earlier of for the, like the original 1960 movie mm-hmm. of of like this totally quite frankly forgettable. B movie that would like you know play at midnights on TVs just for filler. Like, could you? What kind of movie is there now that even compares? I, I was without being too mean. It's just like uh, that I've seen like recently. I mean, I can't. I mean, I guess like I mean, I guess if we're thinking in the last like what five or ten years. Yeah, just like it's just. <sighs> It's it, it, like this isn't a good example, but it's like deciding we're going to make. Oh, OK, no, no, no. I, I was going to say something a bit more like that people would know of. But no, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to make Liam Neeson's nonstop into a musical. It's like what? Right. Not taken? Like, no, no, no. One of those knockoff takens. Yeah. <laughs> Not even taken, like no, 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 right. nonstop. It's just like this total random, forgettable. Like no offense to Liam Neeson or anyone in those movies, just like it just, it's just like this weird, like what? Can we just agree? It's like taking a Hallmark Christmas movie. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Perfect choice. <laughs> just like like what? <laughs> uh, yeah, all those, you know what? Those movies that. Elena, they work hard to make those 70 movies to come out for the... In July. 
for Christmas in July. Yes. <laughs> and they're all very, very different. Just because they have mostly the same cast and mostly the same plot does not mean they are the same movie. Correct. Because you can look at it at a completely different perspective, even though the story is very similar. <laughs> like... <laughs> I wonder why they haven't tried a musical. Maybe that's too hard for them to do. I don't know. I don't. I mean, they've had a few people who have been on Broadway in like some recent Christmas ones. But... Oh yeah. I saw Kristen Chenoweth in one of them. So yeah, they. Okay, Jen. She so. She did. Yeah, she went to Oklahoma City University. Ah. And so did Kelly O'Hara. Ooh. And I. <laughs> So, but I don't know. I, I I'll need to look up someday like the the complete genesis of it. But just two great men that unfortunately it was lightning in a bottle for because of the tragedy of one of those these men's life. But Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. Like, they just decided, I don't know why, but, like, it's very interesting. It's like, why would you want to do this? But they, they decided that they wanted to make a musical out of Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. And they happened to make a brilliant, amazing, super catchy, fun musical that's yeah. really funny, really dark, and tragic. Yep. <laughs> and then I guess it was successful enough that Hollywood came a-knocking. Like, mm-hmm. David Geffen was a huge enough fan, was like, I want to make this into a movie. Yeah. And then they got it into a movie, and I guess that may have been the success where it was just Disney came a-knocking and said, do you want to work with us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, they, then they said the yes. And so the same people that made Little Shop of Horrors wrote the music and songs and kind of the story for Little Mermaid, yep. Beauty and the Beast, and a decent part of Aladdin. Aladdin was Howard Ashman's baby that he unfortunately wasn't able to see yeah. to completion. Yeah. The Jonathan Larson of Disney. Mm. He just... And uh, I'll, I'll stop right here. Just... Or, or, yeah. But just, yeah, Howard Ashman, just, gosh, what a... What an unsung genius. He's, to me, for, for as a comics fan, it's just, he, he's... He's right there with poor Bill Finger of just this unsung genius. This right. just oof. But I mean, like now he is getting a bit more and more of the recognition they deserved. Mm-hmm. And like people are, and in his time he won an Oscar, so it wasn't like he wasn't known. Right. But just, I guess it's just once he was gone. And Disney did fine with the Disney Renaissance after him, but I mean, what he could have done. What he yeah. could have done. That's just amazing. And, I mean, just Alan Menken, he's done great work since, but just, that's something I was looking at. Like, he's just, he's never been able to find the right partner since. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I can I can definitely see that. I mean, it's, I, I mean, like, that's, I mean, as far as, you know, whether it's in, like, show business or anything else, I mean, once you find somebody that, like, you know that you're going to work well with, you know, you've worked with them for Mm-hmm. So long, you know, I guess, it, and especially when you're like, you're in a groove, basically, and you're just not, and then you just all of a sudden, almost pretty much in an instant, you get taken out of it. And then, it, you know, that's definitely understandable. 
Okay, actually, okay, the, the last thing maybe to, to talk about Howard Ashman, though. It's just, it's so funny to me when, when you think about this. Please, Bear, I don't know what you think, but just, it's so weird to think that, like, okay, the man who, who wrote... Who wrote I am your dentist would would later write part of your world I know <laughs> it's just like it, it's or 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 even more of beauty and the beast of that that it there's like the the funniest song is is be our guest in that it's a very serious very passionate romance musical and the only person I can think that's even remotely like that of just like just such a dramatic shift from lighthearted to serious, which is why I'm a bit sad that he wasn't able to complete Aladdin because Aladdin might have been a bit more of him coming back to his roots. Yeah. But uh, the only one I can think of is um, okay, I'm blanking out his name right now. Uh, John. Mm, last name is. Oh no. Okay, now I remember Bobby Lopez. Bobby okay. Lopez, who did Avenue Q, oh, and then yes. the Book of Mormon, and then did Frozen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he went from from Avenue Q, Book of Mormon, the most raunchy Broadway musicals ever, and then did Frozen. Yeah. Wholesome Frozen. He wrote Let It Go. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, the. I mean, it's almost like a, it's more or less like a similar compare, and it's not like as dark. Of a musical, but I mean that's kind of a similar situation with Aida and Lion King, because Tim Rice and Elton John wrote both. And mm-hmm. I mean Aida is based on the Verdi opera, and mm-hmm. I mean that show the way that it ends is I mean obviously we all know how Lion King ends, but <laughs> I mean you know you're basically watching and I, it, that musical is awesome. But, um, I mean, you're basically watching, you know, an enslaved princess who is basically trying to figure out an escape, falls in love with somebody who's supposed to be her enemy, and then they both die. <laughs> like, and then you turn around, and then it, it's like Hamlet that was singing. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I definitely, yeah, no, I, de- I can definitely see that comparison. Yeah. So, and um, I think what what Ashman brought to it, and Mencken, I'm 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 gonna sing both their praises. Right. I mean, what they found in Little Shop of Horrors, as we get into the movie slowly but surely, right. the big theme that 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 okay, then we'll, we'll get into eventually the theatrical ending versus the director's cut ending, mm-hmm. is is I think they found like through making it and crafting it into a musical something that was Probably accidental, I suspect, but because right. Roger Corman was more just cranking out a movie for fun. But mm-hmm. is like that Little Shop of Horrors in their hands is like, oh no, this is Faust. We're doing a modern day version of Faust. Mm-hmm. We're doing a rock and roll Dr. Faustus. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's awesome. It's like, wow, you found, and and the more you think about it, it's like, yeah, this is a deal with the devil. This is yeah. a story about making a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of don't like the why I don't like the theatrical ending is because it's just like no the point of the story is that you make the deal with the devil you pay the consequences right you don't get a happy ending when you make a deal with the devil right and I mean I guess like well I mean you know obviously we'll get to that but I mean 
I guess, you know, like you're mentioning, I mean, you know, you, it's almost like you're like very end of driving me to hell mm-hmm. where, you know, you think it's all good. Like you think like you've gotten, you've, you've made peace with the situation and then you flip the thing, like you, you turn around and then you realize, oh shit, you didn't actually do it. Like <laughs> you didn't actually do it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, drag me to hell. That, that That's hard for me to watch. Oh, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> that's another podcast yeah uh so and so um i own the blu-ray of little shop and i've seen some of the making behinds is is like so david geffen like loved the the show and was like i'm gonna make a movie of this and the only actor he he just knew from the get-go i'm not sure if he knew he could sing but he, he said like rick moranis will be seymour krellborn mm-hmm and so it's one of those rare ones where they had like the star in mind before they had what well, actually not that rare, sadly, in Hollywood, where like they had the star and the project and they didn't have a director yeah. first. So. So, OK, all right, I'm going to be a tiny bit mean now, but, okay. but let, let's get into a tiny bit of talking about the remake. So as of now, they've announced a lot of the cast and I think yeah. it's just financing or whatever. They want to make a remake. Right. And of this movie. I don't know why they want to make a remake of this movie. Right. It's just, we'll get into the special effects and why it's just pointless, I think. Yeah. But they, so the big, so the big selling point for me is like, is, is quite frankly, Chris Evans as the dentist just sounds so fascinating to me. It just sounds so interesting. I I will be curious to see if people will be comfortable watching Captain America punch Black Widow, but they want to cast Scarlett Johansson as Audrey. Yes, Scarlett Johansson is is their is who they're casting as Audrey. Huh. Okay. And so I'll get into a bit a little bit why I don't think that that'll work either. Yeah. But like the the their choice for for. <laughs> I'm kind of giggling to myself as I'm as I'm about to say this, so bear with me, Elena. Mm-hmm. Who they want to play Seymour right now is okay. Now I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, he's the guy from Kingsman and Eddie the Eagle. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen Kingsman in a while. Hold on. Uh, yeah, just like. I have to look it up. Oh my god, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, just suffice it to say, like off the top of my head, like that is like that. That is your your version of a nerd. And so Hollywood has just gotten worse and worse with this kinds of stuff. Well, is that he? I mean, no, 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 no disrespect to like I, I hope he gives an amazing performance if this movie happens, but it's just like. I it's, mean, it's right it, there with Chloe Grace Moretz being cast as Carrie. It's like, it's like Chloe Grace Moretz is supposed to be like this girl that's being bullied and is an outcast. Chloe Grace Moretz, mm-hmm. like, no, this woman, this girl is is too pretty and too strong to be I'm like an to, outcast. 
I'm trying to think of like who else could play Audrey. Like I'm, I guess I'm trying to put it in my brain of like who I would want. Okay. Like, um, I guess because like she sings, I would probably want. Oh, not even them. I, I know exactly who I would want. I'd want. Probably I would want. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick is like she can. She can absolutely like. She's one of the. Her and Amanda Seyfried are two of the only people, like major Hollywood stars these days, who can sing. I can see that. And like. I think Seafried, she might be a bit too burnt out from a big musical role, so that's why I say Kendrick more. I mean, I could, I can definitely see that. Um, I was gonna say Emma Stone, but like, I don't know. I was not okay. I, I've done, I've ranted about this in another podcast. I did not love her singing in La La Land. I've never seen it, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I got like, I mean, from what I was hearing of it, I heard mixed reviews of it, so I've never. I never actually sat down to watch it to kind of get an idea of like what my own perspective would be of it, but I can't necessarily say that I would like it versus not. But I think I know who you're talking about as far as in Kingsman and Eddie the Eagle, but I think his name's like what is, what did I say? What did I see? I think his name's like what, Taron Egerton or something? Yeah, Taron Egerton. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Which that is interesting. I, because I feel like as far as like with Seymour, you almost you have to cast somebody that's like, I mean, I won't even say not attractive. I would want to say like that's a, a little bit more like nerdy, obviously. Yeah. Like you're almost wanting to cast like somebody who's more or less like the first season of like Big Bang Theory, and you want to like cast like. Yeah. Somebody almost like Jim Parsons or or Johnny Galecki. Yeah, and that's exactly what I mean. So credit for Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis was for the '80s and '90s like mm-hmm. the the go-to of nerd loser. Yep. And he bless him for embracing it. And like he probably did like the swan song of that performance of just he nails Seymour of just being this meek little guy. This mm-hmm. utter pushover and klutzy and and his singing is not the greatest, but it's pretty much right there with like Johnny Depp singing Sweeney Todd. We're like, no, 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 he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. And it's like, and the thing is, like for Seymour, depending on the route you want to take, you don't necessarily even have to be a good singer. Like mm-hmm. you can get away with speak singing. So almost that's true. Oh, Okay, like to to get really into the weeds of it, yeah. only suddenly Seymour is really like a song song right. of Seymour's. Most of the others are 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 like yeah. talk songs. And I mean, like, and you know, I, I, like you were saying, at some point, like we'll get to the musical or whatever. But I mean, like, there obviously there are definitely some points. It, like, if we're talking about like redoing and remaking the the Rick Moranis movie then I can get if you want to just do, like, someone who doesn't have, like, the greatest vocal Mm -hmm. chops. If you want to make the actual Little Shop theatrical version into a movie, then Mm -hmm. you have to have somebody that can sing that. So, I mean, yeah. And again, I mean, it really, I honestly, I mean, I'd have to, I guess, learn more about it as far as, like, what the plan is for that production because if it's going to be, like, the 80s remake then okay then you know it's going to make sense as far as you know 
someone who, you know, is not known to be a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're looking to do the theatrical version and make it into a movie like, you know, Jeremy Hansen now or West Side Story or whatever it is, then, you know, cast a singer. So. Well, I mean, I don't know. The thing is nowadays is that most most Hollywood musicals and uh, this is fun. Like this, this is why, why, why podcasts and this is why I just wanted to talk to you. Just tangents and fun. Just we're having a good conversation. That's what a yeah. podcast is. Is um, I mean, like I'm not a huge fan of musicals to begin with, but like so many of these modern musicals, it's just kind of apparent now. There was a time when they like made sure an actor could do everything because they would be more or less asked to do everything. Right. And now a bunch of them that just like they when they're like cast in these musicals because like we got a big celebrity, we got a big name actor to act. It's like can they sing? It's like well uh, we'll we'll train them. And it's it's kind of egregious sometimes because I I can I can tell the difference. It's like. Helena Bottom Carter, she can sing. Oh, yes, she's totally fine in this. I love her. I love Helena Bottom Carter so much. Mm-hmm. She's so good in everything she's ever done, ever. Absolutely. But I compare that to, I'm not trying to be mean or anything when I, when I say these kinds of things. It's just like, okay, all right, one that, that like everyone says is fair game. I love you you Pierce Brosnan, but you are not a singer. Like, Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia is like, no. Well, I mean, I liked him in Mamma Mia. I mean, I... Well, no, I mean, because I've, I've only seen that movie like a handful of times, but I really liked him in Mamma Mia. I mean, um, you know, given that, you know, they basically wanted to go out and just say, we want, like, some of the biggest names in Hollywood to play the cast of Mamma Mia, I think they did exactly that. Um. Now, if we're talking Russell Crowe and Lame is, <sighs> that's a whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a shame because like he actually like had some good ideas for Javert. Yes. Apparently, acting wise and the and the type of character that Russell Crowe can play, that was the perfect character for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, it was almost like it's not even the singing. It's just like he. That was my introduction to Javert, and I just could tell from from his performance, like this character is so much more interesting than the way that Russell Crowe is playing it. I mean, I guess I, guess I could. I mean, it, it really just depends on the production that you watch. I mean, oh, yeah. my first my first kind of get go into Javert was um, the 10th anniversary of Les Mis, mm. and so and that was the concert series, or that was yeah. the concert. So yeah. Um. I mean, it is. Yeah, it just depends on the perspective that you end up going from. So. (laughs) So. So, yeah, let's. So, okay, so the story was like Rick Moranis, like and then they then they look to Muppets Mm co-director and. Yoda. Frank Oz. Yoda. (laughs) And so, yeah. And Frank Oz met. With Rick Moranis, they hit it off, and they were like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And the big thing that they do, I do wish that this was more of a thing more often. Like, they, they did have it for Les Mis, for the actress for Eponine was 
was actual West End star, so she was she had played Eponine before. Mm-hmm. Like they got. Okay, now I'm blanking on her name. You'll say Audrey. No, no, no. The actress who played Audrey was. In the movie, Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Ellen Page, who originated the role. Mm-hmm. Which, like, never happens, but that's, like, awesome. Like, oh, wow. She got to do it for the movie. Yes. And she's wonderful. She's perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to imagine anyone else doing. Audrey. And okay, talk ab- again about the remake. You mean as far I, as like the, the the planned remake? Planned remake, okay. Okay. As far as I can tell right now, this like I am skeptical. I love Scarlett Johansson so much. So do I. The thing is, honestly, like I can't see Scarlett Johansson as passive. Yeah, I yeah, I guess I could say that. I, it's just like I can't see her as a victim. It's like she's too powerful. She's too badass, to be honest. Yeah, like, well, she's made a career of playing badasses, and so just like it's like, I mean that I mean that's a fun challenge for her. I'm I assume, but it's just like uh, I'm not sure if this is the right role for you. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I guess. Oh God, I'm trying to think. I mean, the two choices that you kind of that you put out were pretty good what i think one that would also be really good in that will be annalee ashford who um she's she has done kind of both like tv and um like actual like musical theater because she was in the original cast of legally blonde um she was yeah she was one of the greek chorus girls um she was in dogfight um she did. I know her from uh, Emily Ashford from like I know her from uh, College Humor. Well, Annalie, yeah, she did. Uh, she did the Sunny in the Park production with Jake Gyllenhaal, and she was okay. Dot. Um, and she's currently in uh, American Crime Story: Impeachment with Beanie Feldstein. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I mean, like she could she could probably do really well in that role too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I feel like with everybody who's been in both film, small screen and on Broadway and like all three of those, if they have done all three, then I feel like they could, I mean, and I'm not saying that Scarlett Johansson couldn't do it. I just, I feel like, and I mean, and, and this is like, you know, the situation that, you know, all of, you know, as, as somebody who's in the, you know, theater community, you know, looks at is that, you know, and this is the circumstances that, you know, definitely with a bigger name, like, it makes sense that they want to cast somebody like Scarlett Johansson in that role. Mm-hmm. I feel like as far as if I'm looking at types, I feel like somebody completely different would do a, would do a hell of a lot better than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, and I personally feel like there's – if they do end up doing this, there's going to be a lot more backlash on who they ended up casting versus – the idea to actually remake it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of been the chatter for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Is So let's get into the movie. Let's really talk about the movie. So, I mean, just... Especially for me, okay, the director's cut. The director's cut is my preferred version. Okay. But even if you prefer the theatrical version, either way, this movie is perfect. Right. 
this this is like the perfect encapsulation of Little Shop and like so and we'll get to Audrey too, but yes. even before Audrey too, it's just like it's just the sets it something I think I don't know how to explain this, but you'll you'll probably have a better way of expressing it. Mm-hmm. In some ways it's a bit of a rock and roll musical, but it also has what what the movie captures a bit is a bit of this or what the movie goes for is a bit of the old timey musicals of the, like of the fifties and sixties that it's kind of like supposed to t- set, be set in. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has a bit of that feel to it, but then what the actual lyrics are, that's the kind of fun dichotomy is like, is it's not my fair lady. It's, it's no, this is a song about, this is a song about living in skid row, this total, the the opposite of like the glamorous lifestyle that you celebrate in in the glorious '60s musicals, mm-hmm. and so and I mean, okay, actually, all right. This is a bit of a interesting thing I've noticed. Um, after seeing the movie again, and then then I watched like an amateur production at, at my my hometown one time for a Halloween. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten how f- the play is very funny mm-hmm. and not not that the movie isn't funny, but just like, it's like a lot of things that I, that the movie plays kind of as more sincere can be very easily played as jokes, which I, I had forgotten. It was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like the big line that, that kind of got me where it was like, which is just, okay. One, the, the lighter one is just when, is when poor Audrey sw- sings like on an enormous twelve-inch screen. Yeah, <laughs> that's often played for laughs, but like the way it's like kind of like done in the movie, that's more just like just sincerity. Mm-hmm. Although that's actually great. It's like somewhere that's green that that can really be played. It's like a almost like dark s- satire. And that's something that's great about all of Little Shop is like it, it, it toes a line between satire and serious, mm-hmm. between tragic and funny. That's isn't that life? But yeah. <laughs> is that it? Just it, it, it's so it's so saccharine, but at the same time it comes from a this sincere place where it's like I want the Norman Rockwell lifestyle and like and all my furniture is covered in plastic. Yeah, it's like. What do you really want? Right. <laughs> and Rick Moranis with a fake beer gut, beer belly, as he's mowing the lawn. Right. <laughs> All this funny, funny imagery. And at the same time, though, like I mean, they keep the the idea of her having the stylish, <laughs> the poor character, and this is why it's hard for me to imagine. I could never see. It's so hard for me to imagine Scarlett Johansson saying the lines like Ellen Green just perfectly sells of just like of like she broke her. Yes. Like, her arm was like like what you got tied up? No, I just got handcuffed. And this is what he did when he was happy. Imagine what he would do if he was angry. Right. And just like it's. Well, We'll talk about that scene-stealing performance and 
Yes. Let, let's talk about it now then. Okay, so one, they build it up so well. The dentist is like, I'm not a singer, but that would be a dream role for me. <laughs> I would love to play I, the dentist. That is probably my favorite role. Honestly, one of my favorite roles in the entire show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, like, oh my gosh, I don't remember who played it when I was in high school. But it, because it was so long ago. Um, but when I was in it in uh, 2017, the guy who played the dentist, because in the theater production, the guy who plays the dentist plays like four or five other different characters. Oh, yeah. And so, because we, because when we did Little Shop four years ago, we only did it with eight people. And so, yeah, and it was awesome. We did it in like a black box in, in Baltimore. So um, the guy that played the dentist, his name is Justin Moe. Um, he played that role so perfectly well. Like, it was... I, I, and like, I mean, honestly, that, and that's, and it's one of my favorite numbers to actually do. Um, cause it's very, it, cause it's supposed to be funny, but it's like, but at the same time, it's filled with like sexual innuendos. Yes. So it's like, so it's like one of my favorite, like, situations. But I totally understand like where you're going. Cause, cause I mean, like, in the actual, and I will say in the movie, like, obviously you're building up to figure out who the hell the dentist actually is. And then it's like, oh yeah, he's like this abusive, like, jerk who, like, you know, inhales laughing gas all the time. <laughs> and then you turn, and then they completely flip the switch, the the, sw- the switch, and it's freaking Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> like, the guy who played the jerk. <laughs> well, now he actually is a jerk. Yeah. Literally. Well, well, that's the thing is like you you just know that he's an ab- abusive monster, and but then you see how much of an abusive monster it's. It just becomes hilarious to see this yes. this like darkly. It's a perfect mastery of dark comedy, and the way that they do it, like, is so. The movie only a couple times really does like exploit like we are a movie. Let's be a bit more creative and have a little bit more stretch the budget. Right. Like, otherwise, like, that's the thing Frank Oz loves about the movie is, like, it takes place mostly in just, like, the same thing where it's, like, mostly in just two locations. Mm-hmm. Is so just, like, that I do love just, like, how how much just, like, Steve Martin just goes for that Elvis voice mm-hmm. and, like, that, that southern drawl yeah. and, and how he's just so, like, he's comically punching everyone and just like embraces it like the whole idea of like of like i'm a sadist so like and he's just he gets off on on tour just like it was just, the line itself is hilarious just great howard ashman lyrics yeah. just like, i'm just like i poison guppies but when i was done i find a pussy again and bash its head yeah and she's like and her mother's like okay well Let's deal with this. Okay, so you know what? You should be a dentist. Yes. People will cause like, you. They'll pay you. Before you should be a dentist. People. Oh, my God. By the way, Howard Ashman's parents were dentists. That is awful. <laughs> Terrible. So, I don't know, some parental issues coming out. Yeah, honestly. But, so, just, it's just, the it is the showstopper. And I'm, and when I, I got to see a special screening of the, of the director's cut at a, at a theater a couple years back. Mm-hmm. 
man, just boy, oh boy, that that one did get like some big laughs from the the audience. Yeah. And afterwards, it was just like the end credits. Like, of course you play Steve Martin's song again because of course it just makes sense. It's just like, yeah. yeah. One, he's a great singer. He's he's really great singer for what he's supposed to sing. Mm-hmm. And he just does a great job. It's just such a funny. It's the funniest number. Yeah. He does, he honestly does, he really does a great job. Like, I mean, in the movie, I will say, yeah, that's probably the the funniest number in the entire show. Um, I mean, I don't, what is my favorite? Well, I do know my, it's between that and the original song for, in the in the movie, but we'll, we'll get to, let's slowly get through the plot. So, right. so, We've already gotten to the dentist, but so, okay, yeah. So Seymour is this poor schlub, mm-hmm. and he's suddenly got this, and he works at a florist shop with this poor, battered girl named Audrey. Mm-hmm. And he ends up deciding, like, hey, I should show this interesting, strange plant and on the window, and it immediately attracts attention. Right. But then, like, the fun... Part immediately is like, uh, but the little catch is this plant is hung hungry for blood. This plant is a vampire. <laughs> oh, and so like yeah, some of the original things. Howard Ashman like wrote the the adaptation, so it's all like every trim or difference to the to, compared to like the musical to the movie, that's all on him. He made oh. those decisions and those cuts. And I think all those cuts make sense to me for from a movie perspective. Right. I mean, you you played the Ronette Chiffon and uh, I played Chiffon both times. Yeah, you you played Chiffon and you were part of the Greek chorus. Yeah. And like they took advantage of making them more of a chorus in the movie, mm-hmm. which makes more sense. Of like so many times, like they're just in r- random clothes for whatever scene demands. And like only a couple of times are they actually like the the people that live in Skid Row. Yes. Which is great. One of those ladies ended up becoming uh was in uh she ended up being in uh Everybody Hates Chris. Yes. And then Tasha Campbell Martin, I don't remember what I think she was in Oh god. What was that? She was in Another sitcom. I want to say she was in like a Wayans Brothers sitcom. That sounds right. I think I've. I don't remember. I honestly don't. But I don't remember what the show is called. Mhm. I used to watch it, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah. Anyway. So. So yeah, they they went on to have good careers. So. So um, I mean they 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 delete some songs, but then like add in other funny funny stuff. So you have the John Candy scene. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And the only song deletion that I feel sad about, although this might get into a little bit for discussion and debate between you and me. Yeah. Um. So, so they add in to replace it. They they add the scene between Bill Murray and Steve Martin, which was all improv. Apparently, it was just like it was just yeah. like it was just like Steve, Bill, have fun. Just have fun. I've had it. <laughs> candy bar, candy bar, candy bar, candy bar. 
<laughs> get out. Yeah. What a damn sicko. <laughs> yeah. And so, so they took that, uh, that, that song uh, out and they, they removed now and it's just the gas, which is a favorite song of mine. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I love that song, but it's a, and so this is a bit something that I think haunted them in the end is that, is that they've kind of removed in the movie just how responsible Seymour is is for for killing the people for for the people that die and are fed to Audrey too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was already toned down from what I've heard. Like in the 1960 movie, oh no no no, he he kills people. Yeah. He 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 straight up kills the dentist. Right. Like in the which is like in the musical, it's it's more like the fun of like now it's just the gas was like well. Like, am I responsible? I'm just letting him die in front of me. Yeah. I'm not killing him. Mm-hmm. But they kind of make it a little bit more where, where it's like, is it Seymour's call or is it not? Yeah. And how responsible is it? The more I've watched the movie, I will say like, no. Oh, no, no, no. He he knows what's happening. Yeah. He's a little stunned when when he actually sees him dead. But no, no, no. He, yeah, he made that decision. Exactly. Yeah. And part of also the great chain and the Faustian thing is like the first time it's like the first victim is like, oh, no, this guy totally is like, yeah, this guy's a jerk. No one's ever going to miss this guy. Mm -hmm. But then just gets slower that that grayscale where it's like and it goes to Mr. Mushnick where it's like, "Eh, he's a jerk, but does he deserve to die? Yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, and then, of course, you know, they're on the like. I guess because I'm if I'm what I remember correctly, he basically like more or less almost blackmails him into into like yes turning himself in, and that ultimately gives him. I, and I mean, the, and the thing is, I guess the and and the way that and the reason that like these particular situations are almost perfectly lined up is that like you think these other ca- these other supporting characters are going to be like great and understanding and like you know like we know exactly why like he let so and so die mm-hmm. but then they again flip the switch and it's like you know i guess it almost kind of leaves the audience feeling like all right is Seymour actually good or is he like is he evil so which is i mean if you think about it it's almost like you know not necessarily being like religion but it's it's almost like would adam and eve get tempted by the serpent no yeah well no No, that's perfect that's an apt choice because it's (laughs) it all goes back to what 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 is faust it's just another version of adam and eve it's just about the story of temptation it's temptation Mm -hmm. and it's just the devil and you make that deal with the devil and Okay, we we should talk about Audrey too. So, yeah. oh my gosh. Okay, so they hired they hired Frank Oz because he was a puppet puppeteer, mm-hmm. and they had to they put all the stops in terms of budget and effort into the special effects for Audrey too. And what they had to do, they had to do lots of tricks to pull it off. But the end result, it is amazing. Yeah, the plant like lip syncs perfectly to the lyrics yep audrey two sings mm-hmm. 
technically Audrey 2 is female, so I should say she, even though it's got the big, big deep voice of Levi Stubbs in the movie. Right. And I mean, and honestly, I will say, I mean, like that is, I mean, obviously, given the circumstances, that is the most difficult thing to have to deal with. Oh, yeah. Because from now, I do the two those two things that I definitely remember in both productions are how everything got situated. So basically, um, you know, when I did it in high school, the director of the show, he rented an actual like like somebody built it and it was in North Carolina and he I think got like a U-Haul or something and just they had it you know shipped to baltimore and what was cool about it was that you know basically what happened is that some one of the students had to um had to basically like and they got an ab workout because when the big plant like was completely grown they were in it like this and every time that the plant had to talk they had to move it up and down with the with the top half of their body so you can't see what, what, with the way that she she moved her hand, but it's just that you're basically doing you're, like an ab workout. Uh, I'm I'm seeing what you're saying. You're just basically bending down halfway, just like in the puppet. So that's crazy. So, um, but then in the other production that I did, what was cool was that um, uh, they kind of made the plant kind of like sultry and like kind of like seductive mm-hmm. and you could actually see the person that was playing them in the plant yeah, so cool. um it was uh it was interesting how they put it all together but it, it it and we were actually and it was kind of cool because the skid row girls were actually part of the plant at the same time so oh. it was it was cool the way that it was integrated but anyway I, I mean, but yeah, no, as far as like that, as far as like the, the puppeteering in, in the actual movie, yeah, like it was, at first, like I thought it was like some weird like new, because obviously it was like in the late what, the 80s, that it was like some, you know, of course, like they're just testing out like new computerized ways of being able to, to manipulate stuff, but. No, no. No. It's all <laughs> And when we get to the the ending, that 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 or the director's cut ending, that's the biggest thing. Where it's like, it's how did you do this without CGI? Is is the right. question? Because mm-hmm. it's so hard to do this, but it all looks amazing. And there is always a difference. I mean, acting off of something that like like a golf, a tennis ball versus acting off of like a, a puppet that's right in front of your face. Right. It just you get a different performance out of it and just how much the so okay something going back to a bit for for broadway and like something mm-hmm. about theater what you're just saying about incorporating that is some, some of the hardest things like for, to translate musicals to theater to live action movies yeah is because like for so much for theaters there's a willing suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. and like for lame is like you don't have to see paris to just like see paris when you're watching the musical i mean you're you're given a barricade but that's one of the only sets you are actually given in all of les mis it's just this turning table mm-hmm. this turning stage and you just well, like just kind of go with it it's like 
yeah. the movie's like, no, no, you, you need to like have the church, you need to have a barricade, you need to have all this stuff. Right. And so if you do Little Shop of Horrors, you need to make sure that Audrey 2 looks pretty damn convincing. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, on a stage, you can basically, you can make Audrey 2 whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, nowadays, I mean, you can, you can, you know, you could cast whoever you want. Um, I mean, you know, I, you know, obviously in the original productions, it's, you know, someone who's more or less like a, of like a bass baritone, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, in, uh, you know, other productions, you know, you could use a tenor or you could even use a woman like, mm-hmm. and, and there, and, and I mean, and, you know, nowadays, I mean, you could, you could literally use anybody who identifies as whatever, um, yeah to be able to, you know, play. A car- and, and, and the thing, and, and I think too, what's all, what also kind of makes this particular show perfect is that even though you are expecting like, you know, certain people to look a certain way, I feel like, you know, and especially, I guess like nowadays you can get away with casting whatever type of people that you want to cast in every single role. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I'll, you know, I, um, you know, given the circumstances, I mean, when I was in high school, we didn't play it with three girls, we played it with six. And it just so happened that two girls were Filipino, two girls were Caucasian, and then two other girls were African-American. So, Mm -hmm. like, you could get, I mean, even though it, you know, original productions and and the movie, of course, you have, you know, three African-American women playing you know, Greek chorus, you know, you could throw any other ethnicity or even any other, I honestly feel like any really kind of age range in, for the most part, almost every single character, um, you know, specifically, I mean, specifically the, the Greek chorus and Audrey too, um, depending on, you know, what artistic perspective you want to go with. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, more and more, just that that's what I've become more and more a fan of is just theater interpretations. And if you want to do a remake, you, you bring a different interpretation to the table. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, the only one I would slightly disagree with you, just because I've seen both the theater and kind of the way it was played in the movie. Um, Mr. Mushnik is a bit of a Jew, Jewish stereotype character, so... Yeah. He's kind of one of the only characters that kind of can only be played by a certain type of act, actor, but... And, God rest his soul, I think that the one person that would have played that role perfectly is Robin Williams. <laughs> that would have been... He's not from Jewish, but yeah. I would have loved to have seen him as Mushnick. That would have been a great role for him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the, they deleted Mushnick's song. I love movie. that song. It's so good. Uh, I love that song so much. Okay, the the one song I always love that that like the movie captures it's 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 not a long song, so so I, I get why it's forgotten. But I love Supper Time. I just oh. love that scene and like what they do with the movie of just like just the temptation of just like ooh ooh. Yes. And I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great song. I honestly, uh, pretty, for the most part, anytime Audrey 2 sings, I love 
every single one of that one of those songs. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, as far as like I mean I'll probably like I mean in my in the in the movie, um, I mean I think my favorite song is Skid Row. Mm. Um, I've always really loved that song. Um, it's a great number. I think, uh, yeah, it's a great number. Um, I mean, one of my favorite songs in the, in in the musical is Mushnick and Son. I love that song. Um, it's a great song. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. And so. As, oh, um. Right. So. Supper time, the death of Mr. Mushnick. That's also. The gray grayscale. I mean, it's not as it's still not as crystal clear in the in the movie, but but I think it's pretty clear though. It's like oh no no no, like Seymour like Seymour backed him into the plant. Yep. Yeah, like he yeah he was trying to kill him. Mhm. That's more than like no no no. You are definitely like responsible for that one. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's just more and more. That sliding scale, but then like immediately he gets the rewards and and again the temptation. That's the fun of like he wants to be like the first time it's it's kind of like don't you first time it's like well kill because you want us you want Audrey right and you want her away from this monster of a boyfriend like mm-hmm. okay I can get that yeah I was like I can't watch her be abused anymore but then it just becomes like. Mushnick, he's in the way, and just like that's like, oh no, that's some like Walter White moment. Like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, just because he's gonna, like, I'll go to prison if I, I get it. it's like I get it, but like, oh, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Yeah. But uh, it's a movie. What, what yeah. would the story be? So of course he does it. Exactly. And so he's just down that downward spiral, and then we get into finally the, the tail end and. The meek will inherit. There's a great deleted scene, like they they did the full version of the song. It's mm-hmm. interesting, but I get why they cut it because you, you you basically get the same point across with just him pacing and being scared that yeah she's gonna leave him. I was like, no, no, you don't get it. Yeah. And the visuals of the movie. So then just having the plant call her oh yeah having the plant call audrey and then her coming over yeah like it has some weird like trance over her or something well no just he just the plant calls her and then like he says like it's me oh yeah that's it i'm thinking about some uh yeah and then he just comes over and just so scary and okay so this is the big point so okay the theatrical cut Mm-hmm. Seymour frees her and she she's okay she's yeah. okay She they sing suddenly Seymour again then Seymour fights the plant mm-hmm. beats the plant and they move into their nice house but maybe there's another Audrey too so I don't know yeah I get why so how do you feel about that? Uh, I had first seen the the show when I was too young to see it, and it gave mm-hmm. me nightmares. 
Yeah. But years later, like, I, I just happened to see the movie on TV one day. And, like, I saw the, the theatrical end. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, it didn't make sense to me. I was like... And on the one hand, I was like, oh, that's nice. They got a happy ending. But at the same time, I was like, no, that's not right. It's not, this doesn't end with a happy ending. Like, Frank Oz is a champ. Like, all the interviews he, he said, like, like, he just says, like, look, audiences hated it. Mm-hmm. Audiences hated it. We, there was no, like, our, our, our duty is to make entertainment. And to make right. back the money, so give them a happy ending, make them happy. Yeah. But like at the same time, I was like, yeah, I didn't like it, but I did what I had to do. Yeah. But for me personally, I'm. It's just like. I guess like they don't telegraph to you, the audience, that that like, no, Seymour's bad. No, no, no. People, do not murder. Yeah. This is not okay. Like, even if it's a bad guy, no, don't kill people. And I think, I don't know, I think that that idea is pretty yeah. telegraphed clearly when when Audrey eats pe- Audrey 2 eats people. Like, when he has to chop up right. the dentist. That's like where, like, they, they perfectly play that as like, no, that's this is terrifying. Right. There was going to be one dark gag in a deleted scene where 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 Steve Martin's head is shown being fed. Yeah. It's got this weird frozen grin on it. Oh, my God. But that's like, oh, no, no, no. That's some R-rated territory. No. But, yeah. And so... I just... I just think it's, like, it's, it's pretty clear. Like, no, no, no. He, like... And Rick Moranis, he also he sells those last moments. So, did you have you seen the director's cut ending? Uh, I have not seen the director's cut ending. I've only seen like the the original like theatrical ending. Oh. So, boy oh boy, the director's cut ending is just so amazing to see of that. Mm-hmm. Of one Ellen Green, she sells it. She right. sells like. The, the Somewhere It's Green reprise. And mm-hmm. it's so sad. And yeah. it's heartbreaking. And then he feeds her to the plant. And Seymour is so sad. He, he climbs up the, st- the building and he wants to kill himself. Mm-hmm. But then immediately just Audrey 2 comes in. Like the, the Patrick Martin guy comes in and says like, Hey, hey I, I've taken a cutting... From your amazing plant, and look what grew. Yeah. And just, and the plant smiles at him, like, oh, this is world conquest. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, just because I, I, I've seen both versions, you can tell in the theatrical version, like, what's a reshoot and what's not. Mm-hmm. Like, even the way that Moranis is shot, of just like when he's confronting the plant, mm-hmm. like, it's. He's much more like heroic in the theatrical version at that moment. Right. He's brave and unafraid. Whereas in the director's cut is like, no, 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 he's still Seymour, where he's still scared and meek. Mm-hmm. 
And he also, just the great line, he says, like, you're a monster and so am I. It's got to end. It's got to stop right here. Mm-hmm. Like, theatrical version, it's, you, you, you're never going to get away with this. Your kind never does. Yeah. Like, heroic line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they added song. Like, this is a trope very often in in movie adaptations of musicals. Mm-hmm. Of, um, what was the... Les Mis is completely forgettable, suddenly. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> We're not I like the reprise, it. actually. I think the reprise is worth keeping in yeah. Broadway productions. But what, you don't like Evita's... <laughs> Evita's You Must Love Me? All these kinds of songs uh, that are seem to be just added for an Oscar. I mean, I've never seen Evita all the way through, as far as like the that like the movie with Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen like snippets of you know like YouTube clips and stuff because um, just to get some ideas for mm-hmm. potential book things, but I've never. I mean, I've never actually heard that particular song. I, mm-hmm. I, I think I, for the most part, though, I mean, depending on the musical, I think, like, especially if you make it into a movie, like, that's something that you should expect, that there's going to be, like, an extra number. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, in Dear Evan Hansen, I think they added one or two more new songs, I think. I think. I don't remember. I I haven't seen it yet, but um, from what I've been seeing on the soundtrack, I think they added one or two songs, but I haven't listened to them yet. Mm -hmm. But I love Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. I think it's Mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah. I love, love, love that song. I'm kind of sad it didn't go like the Evita way, where I think that that song should absolutely be in every theatrical performance it just makes the scene of seymour fighting the plant so much more fun and interesting yeah and just it's funny to watch the things that like he describes like of like nope the axe doesn't work mm-hmm. the the poison doesn't work and the gun doesn't right. work it's just like no no and d- director's cut it just all ends of just like that scene like the building collapses on him and then audrey too pulls him out of there and says, and I am bad, and eats him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so funny and dark. It's just like, oh wow. <laughs> I do get it from 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 a practical standpoint of just like just the culture of the eighties, mm-hmm. of just Reagan's America, where just no Marty McFly totally wins in the end. All the heroes win in the end. Yeah. The Top Gun. We want heroes. We don't want like depressing. Yeah. And just so, Elena, I I beg you, if if maybe if if you're ever around and I have the movie with me, I'll I'll put yeah. it on. But just you must see the director's cut ending. It's just so wonderful. It's so they turn Don't Feed the Plants into a Godzilla movie. Yeah, ah, uh, that's a good number too. I love that song. It's just, just these scenes of the of like gigantic Audrey 2s destroying New York City. Right. 
and just hammers home the point, which is just like, don't feed the plants. It was like, oh, yeah. this is the whole point of the. And that's honestly okay. That's the biggest um, crime of the of the theatrical version to me, at least. Is like, no, this is the point of the whole play. Is like, yeah, this is reiterating. Like, this is Faust. This is like a deal with the devil. Yeah. And this is the consequences. Like, like don't fall to temptation. Like, yes, I know greed is greed is not good. Gordon Gecko, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It's like, don't be materialistic. Right. And like Audrey didn't even want Seymour for the 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 fame and fortune. Yeah, exactly. So, so just like, yeah. So just don't feed the plants, people. Exactly. <laughs> Universal message. Yes. Yeah. Although I think, you know, I think if people are just seeing it for the first time and, like, aren't in tune with a lot of, like, other, um, like, similar, like, either literature or, like, you know, other storylines that may have to deal with it, like, then they're just like, oh, I just shouldn't feed plants. <laughs> Uh, be stupid <laughs> like <laughs> uh, the, I do love that little line in the towards the end of the movie where just where Seymour's playing to escape and he just says to her we'll get you a nice place and no plants no plants at all and she's just like uh, you're talking strange again yeah exactly because without the context it doesn't make sense it's just like ramblings of nonsense I'm like what yeah mm-hmm. well I think that sort of wraps it up. Is there some last things you want to say? Um, not, I mean, I guess not really that I can think of. I mean, you know, we've, you know, kind of covered a whole, I mean, a lot of, you know, kind of touch base on a lot of other different things as far as like certain connections and things like that. And I mean, honestly, if I, I'll say this, if people have the opportunity to do the production of it, do it like don't say no to it because it's so much fun to do um like i mean obviously if you've seen the movie and you've never done the actual show it you know it's a little bit of it obviously it's a little bit of a different experience but i mean it i definitely you know especially with you know you know theater coming back and everything you know if if you are planning on doing you know and planning your next seasons throw a little shop in there because it like as far as like musicals go even though it's not like a humongous you know kind of like uh you know spectacle it's still something that you know can definitely you know it's definitely something you know worth doing if you have the opportunity to do it um I mean, I've been lucky enough to do it twice and I've worked with some great people because of it. So, um, you know, that's, I mean, that's really all I can say about it. Perfect. That's great. All right. Last, last thing, just a fun little gag, gag question to ask you just, uh, set up for the final Mm -hmm. episode for this little podcast series I'm doing nightmare before Christmas. Is it a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas movie? Mm. It's a Halloween movie. Okay. Yep, Halloween movie. Alrighty. Thank you so much for coming to my little podcast, Elena. Yeah. Hope to talk to you soon. Of course. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>